The New York Islanders' season is over. They lose a 2-1 to heartbreaker in overtime to the Carolina Hurricanes. We'll have our key takeaways from the game and start to break down what this offseason might look like on this special bonus episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Sart tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian. And I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. And welcome, everybody, to this special bonus episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I want to thank everyone for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Islanders on YouTube or on your podcatcher of choice to get every new episode as they drop. Well, the Islander season is over. If you've got any Islanders-related questions, you have a comment, maybe a topic you'd like us to discuss on a future episode, feel free to email us. The email address is LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. We'll be here all off-season talking Islanders, so... Feel free to send in your questions, and we'll talk a little Isles hockey all throughout the offseason, including free agency, the draft, uh, any trades that are made, hirings, firings. We'll break it all down for you here on Locked on Islanders throughout the offseason. You could follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Isles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, NYR VSNYI. We'll keep you up to date on all the latest Islanders news, notes, and happenings throughout what should be a very busy offseason. All right. Final score Hurricanes 2, Islanders 1. I can't help but thinking a couple of things. And the first thing is that this is a game that the Islanders probably should have and definitely could have won. And the second thing is that this game, in particular, was almost like a, a, a microcosm of why the Islanders did not go further in the playoffs this year. This team is almost good enough, but not good enough, to really take its game to the next level. And while they're capable of beating even the best teams in the league on any given night, they're not good enough to do it consistently. They need to play almost perfect hockey to win. And they almost did it in Game 6, but just couldn't quite pull it off. And if you want to know where this game went awry and why it's sort of like a microcosm of the season, in the first period, the Islanders were by far the dominant team. They were physical. 
They were aggressive. They were dictating the pace of play. And they took the one nothing lead on the goal by Cal Clutterbuck. And yet, they only led one to nothing. At the end of the second period, even though the pace of the game was more even in the second period, the Islanders outshot Carolina 17-11, to which means they were outshooting the Canes 28-19 at home, but still only held on to that one nothing lead. And they just, for the life of them, could not get that second goal that would have given them a comfortable lead, a lead that would have helped them put this game away. And it it just was not meant to be. They just didn't have enough skilled players to pull that off. And... Look, that's sort of been the story all year long. There just isn't enough scoring talent and scoring depth to, you know, be able to win a game when you're not playing your best. And it came back to bite the Islanders again in this game. And it was only one nothing after 40 minutes when a good team, a team with a little more offensive talent, would have been up 2 nothing, 3 nothing. Even if it's 3-1, they would have had at least a two-goal lead. And the fact that they weren't able to do that really hurt them. But the thing that I think hurt them even more, and yeah, this is, in my mind, partially or substantially on Lane Lambert. In the third period, 20 minutes to go to force game seven. And the New York Islanders basically took their foot off the gas. They dictated play in the first period. In the second period, they played well, didn't dominate like they did in the first period, but were playing even and were being aggressive. In the third period, they completely took their foot off the gas. And when you allow the other team, to be in your zone for, look, if the period is 20 minutes long, I would say 14, maybe 15 minutes of that period felt like it was being played in the Islanders' zone. And, you know, maybe two, two and a half minutes in the neutral zone and two and a half minutes in the Carolina zone. The official shots on goal in the third period were 19 to 5 in favor of Carolina. And... You're just playing with fire. If you go into a defensive shell and try to win the game one nothing, eventually you're going to get a bad bounce. You're going to give up a scoring opportunity that you didn't see coming. Or, uh, you know, you just... Eventually, the goal they gave up by who else? Sebastian Ajo. You know, Ajo ended up beating... Two players, he beat the Islanders, Sebastian Ajo, and Kyle Palmieri to a puck that took a a, a little bit of a weird bounce, came to Ajo in front, bam, tie game. And, you know, the Islanders spent the first ten and a half, uh, nine and a half minutes, rather, of that period 
almost exclusively in their own zone, and it just seemed like their plan was to win the game one to nothing. Well, you know what? Their plan should have been to make the score two to nothing. And I'm not saying your defensemen should be pinching uh, excessively that you take unnecessary chances, but you don't go into a shell either, and that's what the Islanders did. They went into a shell, and they were just hanging on for dear life, not just up until the time Sebastian Ajo of Carolina tied the game, but really for the entire game. So they relied exclusively on Ilya Sorokin to be almost perfect in this game. And you know what? He wasn't perfect. He was darn close uh, 39 saves in 41 shots, and in regulation, he only gave up, you know, one goal in 38 shots. So, what more can you ask of Sorokin? They needed him to be perfect, and he wasn't perfect. And, look, goalies can bail you out when your team isn't playing well. That's what great goalies do. But when your team is playing well, to still need your goalie to be perfect just shows the lack of offensive either talent or strategy or both that this Islanders franchise has right now. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't good enough. They gave everything they had in this game for 66 minutes. But look, let's be honest with ourselves. The Carolina Hurricanes were the better hockey team over the course of six games. Not a lot better, but definitely better. And yeah, the Islanders outplayed them five on five. Yeah, uh, you know, the, the special teams also throughout the series cost the Islanders dearly, but the fact that this team doesn't have enough scoring and still has trouble clearing their zone, and boy, did they have trouble clearing the zone in the third period, it's basically the same old song for the New York Islanders, and at the end of six games, they were on the short end of the stick four times, and that was the end of the season. We have got a lot more to discuss on today's show. We'll have our unsung hero of the game. We'll have our go to the game. We'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the the series and, and, and what went wrong. But, you know, we'll talk about all of those things. And yeah, we have a bonus Islanders birthday of the day. All that and more still to come on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, Confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors, and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. 
Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit available only to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, the season is, is now over. And I do have to say, the crowd in Game 6 at the UBS Arena was everything they needed to be. They were loud. They were energetic. They really showed up, and the, the, the new barn was rocking. Unfortunately, you know, you think about it, the Nassau Coliseum's nickname was Fort Never Lose. Well, there's been three playoff games right now in the history of the UBS Arena, and the Isles only won one of them. So that was certainly a little bit of a disappointment, to say the least. Uh, the Islanders had chances. <coughs> they had chances, but not enough high danger chances. And if you look at the, at the final shot chart, the high danger chances definitely uh, favored the Hurricanes. And again, the Islanders... The penalty kill, they stopped both power plays for Carolina. Islanders did a good job of staying out of the penalty box, playing physical but clean. But here's a weird statistic. Carolina out-hit the Islanders in Game 6, 31-21, to and they blocked more shots than the Islanders, 25-21. to Those are the... How bad do you want it, stats? And it was a little disappointing. Scott Mayfield, five block shots. Sebastian Ajo, four to lead the Islanders in that category. But here's the other category, and it's killed the Islanders all throughout the playoffs. Giveaways, 13 for Carolina. The Islanders, 26. Remember in Game 5, that number was way, way lower. If you're giving up the puck that often, again, you're relying on your goalie to be perfect. And he's not perfect. And that's, you know, eventually you run out of chances. So the power play scored one goal in this entire series. Gave up a goal. Now, the Islanders did get one shorthanded goal in the series, but it was when they were already losing 5-1 with two minutes left in, in a losing game. But special teams undermined this team substantially. And I'll say it right now, I never like to call for somebody to lose their job. But John McClain, who runs the Islanders' power play, He's got to be replaced this offseason, regardless of whether Lane Lambert stays or goes. And we'll break down all of these things throughout the offseason, because we're still here Monday through Friday throughout the offseason. We'll break all of that down. But, you know, at the very least, if you don't fire him, Someone else has to be called on to run the power play. He could be a very good coach at other things, but this power play never found its rhythm. 
I mean, if, if you look at the season, and yeah, they were ranked 30th, and the power play let them down in the playoffs, and if you go back and look at the crossover episode we did, uh, myself uh, and Jared Ellis of Locked On Hurricanes, we really called a lot of the things that ended up happening in this series. We, we accurately predicted, both of us, before it got started. And, uh, you know, unfortunately... Special teams undermine the Islanders, and if the power play this season, maybe there were seven or eight games where you thought, not that they didn't have the occasional good game, but there were seven or eight games probably right after Bo Horvat arrived in late January, very beginning of February, where you thought, yeah, this power play could develop into something pretty good, and then Barzal got hurt, and that went out the window. So, special teams, a big, big reason, and the, the, they've got to bring in another talented power play player or two, someone who is going to shoot the puck and, and, and do what they need to do on the power play, but they also desperately, definitely need to change their approach when they have the man advantage, because what they're doing and what they've been doing, not just this year, but especially this year, but really for the last few years, it just isn't working. And they need to really revamp this power play from top to bottom. It was a big problem for this team. Got to give, you know, unfortunately... On the game-winning goal, it was two of the best players on the Islanders that ended up sort of blowing it for this team. And, you know, that was sort of the the thing you don't like to see. Uh, Derek Stepan took the puck away from uh, Adam Pellick, I believe it was. So Pellick lost... Uh, he gave the puck away, and then Ilya Sorokin lets in a goal from behind the goal line. That was the game winner. It was actually shot from behind the goal line, banked in off the goalie. Smart play, but uh, again, just not what you, not the way you want to lose having two of your better players sort of. I don't want to say fail, but sort of two of your better players just give up what ended up being the game-winning goal. That's not what you want to see, and uh, and it was what we ended up seeing in Game 6. So this season is now over. Uh, I want to talk about the unsung hero of the game and the goat of the game. And, oh boy, this, this, this one is tough. Um... I'm going to give Cal Clutterbuck the unsung hero. He scored the only goal. This may be his last game as an Islander. We have to see if he's back next year, if he retires or if he's brought back. But he scored the goal and and definitely helped set the tone throughout, especially the first period. So for unsung hero, I'm going with Cal Clutterbuck. Alexander Romanov maybe gets a vote. Scott Mayfield, again, I think played very well. Uh... But I'm going to give the unsung hero to Cal Clutterbuck. And as far as go to the game, I hate to do it because I like the guy, but Bo Horvat 
23 minutes and two seconds, leading all Islander forwards by almost four minutes. No shots on goal. He's your number one center. He is your, you know, what do you have, 37, 38 goals between Vancouver and Long Island this year. He is a guy that, yeah, he did a lot of other things well, but I have to list him as the go to the game and maybe partially the go to the series because you're, in order to win, your best players need to be your best players. And Bo Horvat, while he did some things well throughout the series, was definitely not one of the Islanders' best players over the course of these six games. And in Game 6, they needed more from him offensively. He was unable to do it. Whether he needs more time to adjust to the Islanders' system, whether he needs more time with a healthier Matt Barzal, or whether he needs a a different line mate who's going to maximize his skills, or a combination of those three factors, we didn't get enough from Bo. I hate to say it, I like him, but that's what... Uh, I'm sticking with as far as the GOAT of the game. I'm going to take a very brief look ahead to what we can expect this offseason, and we'll have our bonus Islanders birthday of the day. All that and more still to come on this episode of the Locked On Islanders podcast. This offseason should be an offseason of change. We've been talking about this on the show for a long time. This team needs to get faster. This team needs to get younger. And this team needs to add skill, offensive skill. I know we're going to see some moves, but I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think the entire offseason is going to hinge on what happens with Lou Lamorello. If Lou Lamorello returns... I don't think he's going to really make the big changes that this team needs to really start to succeed and take it to the next level. You look at this team, Anders Lee, J.G. Pajot, Kyle Palmieri, Brock Nelson, Zach Parise, Casey Sezikis, Cal Clutterbuck, Matt Martin, all of these guys and Scott Mayfield, all 30 and older. And, uh, you know, Semyon Varlamov, who was the backup goalie. You could add Josh Bailey to that list. He's still on the roster. Um, This team, A, needs to get younger, and B, if you look at all of these players, what do they have in common? they, They can still play a lot of them at a pretty high level, but they really aren't going to get drastically better. In fact, as we go forward, I I think this team will get diminishing returns. Maybe gradually, maybe not right away, but diminishing returns from a lot of those players. And I think a wise GM says to himself, this team, the way it's presently built, the two runs to the conference finals in 2020 and 2021 were the high water mark for this team, the way it's constructed. We have a core with Bo Horvat, with uh, certainly Matthew Barzal, Pellick, Pulak, Sorokin. 
You could add in Brock Nelson if you keep him, Anders Lee if you keep him. But realistically, we have a core on this team that we could build around. But we need to revamp this team and make substantial changes to get younger, faster, more skill to compete in the modern NHL. If there's a new general manager, I think there's a chance that that happens. But if Lou Lamorello is back, I don't think we see the changes that we need, and that kind of worries me more than a little bit. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and uh, Sunday is going to be the 55th birthday of a very popular and physical Islanders defenseman, Rich Pilon, native of Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, a seventh-round pick of the Islanders back in 1986, made his debut with the Isles in 88-89 and played with the team through the 1999-2000 season, then spent a couple of years with the Rangers and finished his career in 01-02 with the St. Louis Blues. Pilon was not an offensive-minded guy. He played 631 career NHL games, Scored eight goals and 77 points, but he had 1,745 career penalty minutes, including a career high 291 in 1997-98. His rookie year, 242 penalty minutes. Pilon stuck up for his teammates. He was tough. He was physical. He wasn't afraid at 6 feet 216 to move opposing players out from in front of the net. We are going to go back and look at one of his better offensive games as an Islander. In fact, his first career goal. Remember I said that Rich Pilon made his Islanders debut in 88-89? He didn't score his first goal until the 1990-91 season. And this was it, November 18th, 1990, in Edmonton at the Northlands Coliseum. And Rich Pilon got his first career goal, assisted by Ray Ferraro and Brad Delgarno. The Islanders lost 3-1 to one in that game. I almost never have Islander losses as our Islanders' birthday of the day. But Rich Pilon, anytime he scored a goal, and like I said, he didn't score a lot, the Islanders lost. So I picked his first career goal, and uh, Rich Pilon, one of the more popular and a great Islander. So thank you to Rich Pilon, and uh, he is our Islanders' birthday of the day. I want to thank everybody for making Locked On Islanders your first listen every day. Every dayers will be back Monday. We'll start recapping the series a little more, and we'll definitely recap the season a little more. Uh, and make sure you join us for that. And again, we are still here every Monday through Friday uh, to talk Islanders hockey throughout what should be a very important and pivotal offseason for this team. Have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much for being here throughout the season. Stay safe, and of course, let's go Islanders!